Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the Meeple in a GameStack podcast. This podcast will be about board games, all about getting into them, getting the most out of them, or just having a good time. Soon to be, as always, I am your host, Mitch Brown, and this is episode zero. The first question that might come across your mind is, why is this episode zero? That doesn't make any sense. Well, you would be very right to believe so. This is like a session zero of a tabletop role-playing game. I'm going to talk about the who, the what, and the why of this podcast, kind of lay out some, a bit of a mission statement for myself in what I'm trying to do, as well as, you know, encourage transparency with my hopefully soon-to-be viewership. Alright, so first off, we have The Who, pretty much already covered. I am Mitch Brown, I am a board game enthusiast who is a bit new to the scene, actually. I've probably only been playing board games for, at least hobbyist board games, for about maybe two and a half years at this point. Which, I understand many other hobbies, you would say two and a half years, certainly does not make you new to something. However, the world of hobbyist board games is so big and has been going on for so long that I constantly feel like I am catching up on things, uh, things that I've missed out, things that have existed for ages, and I'm still learning and just uh, enjoying the hobby. Bit more about myself, I actually work in the animation industry, Uh, I am a comp and effects artist, and I have played video games for my whole life, Uh, I've been playing tabletop role-playing games for about the last five, maybe six years at this point. So both of those influences will certainly creep into me talking about board games, just as comparison, but this podcast will be about board games, all about getting into them, getting the most out of them, or just having a good time. Anyway, with the who covered, now is the what, and this will be a podcast about board games. And we launch into the why of why I'm making this. Which is two reasons. The first off is I feel like there is a space within board game coverage, maybe erroneously, but certainly it's a lot of the larger reviewers, critics, or I guess voices in the board gaming community have been in this game for a long time. And uh, I certainly absolutely respect that, and their opinions are based off of wisdom, and largely they can get good insights into board gaming. I just wanted to start a podcast to give my take on things, and which is kind of what I would want to hear. And not that I'm so, I don't know, narcissistic that I just want to make a podcast to hear my own opinions, but I feel like there's space for uh, a podcast that's kind of for people who are newer to board games, newer to the scene, and largely, I hope, or I at least plan on, this podcast featuring a healthy... (laughs) a heaping helping of enthusiasm for the hobby. Mostly, I find myself where these veterans of the hobby, they kind of get burnt out on topics, which I understand is, of course, from experience, and if you've played a million deck builders or a million dungeon crawlers, then you're certainly not going to maintain that, like, (laughs) you know, rosy enthusiasm for things, and certainly you can't keep that forever, but I find myself kind of wishing that The people who talked about these things still kind of had that, so this is kind of what I'm hoping to bring to the community. And I understand that I'm certainly not alone, but I feel like um, I just want to foster a community of appreciation and kind of looking on the more positive and really just enjoying this newfound hobby, I guess. 
And certainly I understand that it's something that you do have to watch out and hype can certainly just end up to a lot of like burst bubbles, but hype is enjoyable and honestly I don't think it's entirely a bad thing. So yeah, that's the plan and kind of why I'm doing this is to be a bit of a more sunny voice in the hobby and covering board games, letting you know my opinions on them from a kind of a newer perspective. Well, a perspective of someone who is newer to the hobby. I look forward to in get, getting excited about new things, uh, getting excited about old things that I certainly haven't discovered. But that brings me to the second reason why I'm doing this podcast is, and largely this has been a lesson that board games have taught me, is that joy shared is joy multiplied, really. So really, I want to use this podcast to generate a community and as a platform to reach out and hear from more people and as an excuse to get myself more invested into the hobby. Yeah, I want to hear from people. I want to hear different opinions. I want to get different experiences from different people and different walks of life and takes on things. Uh, I'm certainly trying my best to be an active participant in the hobby, but... um But I just wanted to kind of extend that a little bit, and I find myself, I guess, trying to do that with this podcast. So yeah, that's why I'm doing this thing. It's what I'm hoping to do with this thing, and I hope you'll all join me on this adventure and keep listening. Uh, But for the other part of this podcast, uh, a tradition I would like to start doing is whenever I have someone new, and I would very much, it's not going to be just me for this entire podcast. I look forward to having guests of friends and people I know and people in the community if I can, but I figured a good introduction to someone to kind of let you get to know the guests I have on, and now an introduction to me and let you know what kind of board gamer I am and kind of indicate my tastes, if that's what you're looking for here, is I would like my guests, and for this episode myself included, to give a a top, I mean a loose top five board games, just to kind of indicate their tastes, what they're interested in, and you know, because I feel like Every time I go to a friend's house or something, I will absolutely look at their bookshelf uh, to, you know, you can learn a lot about a person based off their bookshelf or movie collection or game collection or, in this case, board game collection. All right, so without further ado, this is my top five. And understand that, of course, I'm still definitely, like, playing new games and learning new things and coming across ones that I really like, which I'll talk about later, which ones I've been really into recently. But for right now... Number five is Star Wars Imperial Assault. Star Wars Imperial Assault is a fantasy flight game, Star Wars dungeon crawling experience that actually has a campaign built into it. Largely for me with my history of tabletop role-playing games, this kind of strikes me as running a tabletop role-playing game kind of light because the dungeon-crawling grid-based system kind of reminds me of D&D combats, and I've definitely run a lot of D&D combats that are quite like this. As well as the campaign building ideas, I really like it because it is kind of a light um, tabletop role-playing experience. So as you play, you have scenarios um, where, and this is probably the main and defining part of this game, and that's that this game is a 1v4 experience where four of the players will play on a team of the rebels 
where they will square off against the other player who controls many units who are the evil empire. I really like the asymmetrical kind of aspect of that, and as a person who's been a dungeon master, uh, who's been eternally cursed to be a dungeon master, I really enjoy kind of that, that this is built into this game, and I definitely, like, I'm definitely used to running a lot of units against people, so I quickly found myself falling into the role of the Imperial Overlord. But what you do is the heroes all have one figure where they choose their rebel figure. Kind of Wookiee, you know, uh, female Han Solo, various like snipers and soldiers and a pretty motley crew, which is excellent. Uh, and they have to complete objectives and fight the Imperials. But another important thing is that the Imperials can't necessarily be defeated. They can only be defeated not by outright combat, but by completing objectives and getting out of there, which uh, I think is very thematically appropriate for the Star Wars-like world. The Rebels are always like fighting a basically a guerrilla war against the Empire, and if the Empire has enough time, basically, they will crush the Rebels. And this builds into the game just kind of like a lovely timer mechanic, so it prevents it from dragging on too long, because as the, uh, as the rounds go, the Imperial Overlord gets more and more threat, which is used, uh, which is a very clever, in my opinion, a system of they you can use it for special abilities but largely it's used for reinforcing and deploying units and as the turns progress they get more and more of this resource so what that means is that the empire or the imperial player is the weakest on the first round of the game and the rebels are the strongest on the first round of the game uh and as the as the, they take more rounds to accomplish whatever objective it is that paradigm slowly shifts into the imperial player's favor which is great for lighting a fire, keeping the pace up, and honestly, I really enjoy this game. It, there's dice rolling, moving on a grid, it's excellent art, and honestly, I haven't played it all the way through a campaign yet. I've had uh, a few kind of fits and starts with it, but I've played a few games now, enough that I know that I like it. So yeah, that is my fifth, uh, fifth favorite board game, at least at the moment. Though, to be fair, and full disclaimer, I love Star Wars. I've seen and own all the movies. I've seen a lot of the side content. I'm a big, well, Star Wars nerd. I just really enjoy it. So, you know, take that number five with a pinch of salt, if you will. But number four is one that is uh, a bit more of a giant in the board gaming community, and one of the first games that I played and definitely got me into this hobby, and that is Dominion. Dominion is basically not, I mean, I don't think it's literally the first, but it is basically the one that made, the game that made deck builders famous. And for those of you who don't know, a deck building mechanic in games is where you start with a, usually 10 cards, but it can be bigger or smaller, uh, deck of cards, and you shuffle them and draw them, and each turn you have opportunities to acquire more cards and add them into your deck. What this does is uh, slowly start to expand your options of what you can do on a turn, but also brings in a sort of an economic engine building factor where you uh, you can custom tailor your deck to what you want to do that game. So do you want to keep acquiring cards and keep getting cards to acquire more cards? Do you want to, in the case of Dominion, do you want to have more actions to be able to play more cards in a turn? And Dominion is the grandfather of this. It's definitely the one that made it famous and oh my god, has it ever... Uh, it's definitely a classic of the board game industry with like, oh my god, I think there's like 10... 
uh, or more expansions, like a, basically a land before time number of expansions, which is, I honestly, it absolutely deserves. I love playing this game. I love playing it two player. I love three and four. It's a great game for just casually playing. It's a great game for trying like to compete with. I find the deck building mechanic is really, really satisfying. And when even, and Largely, I find, which is a huge thing about this game, is that it is fun when you're winning and fun when you're losing. When you try to throw odd shapes and bits and just try out new combos and throw it into your, your engine of a deck and it doesn't come out right, it's still really entertaining. It's really enjoyable to do so. And when you do find the magic combination that this, this you know, works with that, which works with this, which makes it all run smoothly like it's a Ferrari of an engine. It is really, really satisfying. So, and it all comes in a game that like has not an ounce of fat on it. I've definitely heard the criticism that it is simple being the first deck builder and a lot of the ones that have come since have added different mechanics and elements to kind of, you know, add a bit more to it. But Dominion itself is very, very lean, and honestly, sometimes newer games like that don't actually add anything to the experience by adding these extra mechanics. So, my fourth favorite game ever is Dominion. Alright, so for my next game on this list, my third favorite game of all time, I feel like this one is largely indicative of my gaming habits as a whole. The majority of them are actually two-player games where I play a game with my fiancé. And the ultimate champion knockout superstar of two-player games for me is Fox in the Forest. This game is excellent. It is a great time. It is a trick-taking card game. So in the game there are three suits of cards, one to, I believe, 13. There are a few cards that have a special action, but the basic gameplay is you draw you shuffle the deck, draw two hands of 13 cards. Players take turns placing down cards one at a time, and the higher card wins. However, unlike War, it depends greatly on what the suit is, and this is kind of the base of trick-taking games, is that you'll have one suit that is the trump suit. In Fox in the Forest, there's only three suits, which kind of lets it have a kind of a leaner mechanic to it, in that when you switch the trump suit, your odds of switching it in your opponent's favor are actually much higher with three suits instead of four. So you'll play your 13 cards, the winner gets to start the next stack, and you keep going from there. But uh, at the end of the round, you'll score points based off of how many of these tricks you have taken, which is how many times you basically won and played the higher card. And here we come to the honestly just genius mechanic, in my opinion, and I really love it because it does feel thematic. It does feel like you literally have to outfox your opponents with this mechanic. And that is that on the scoring track, there is, uh, of course, if you win more suits, you get more points. And then even more suits, you get more points on top of that. But if you get the most suits, which I think is higher than um, nine, which basically is if you've won the majority of the hands, you actually get zero points. It's called the greed rule. And then if the other player who lost almost all of the hands gets that, they actually get six points, which is the like highest amount of points that you can get from a single round. What this does is totally turn them the winning losing mechanic on its head and it let gives a like nice out for if you're getting stomped halfway through a round you can actually change track and switch gears and try to start losing which in itself is a kind of a challenge when you're just taking risks and playing cards now you're trying to play the lower cards so if you have high cards in your hand you have to like pick and choose when to get rid of those and i find this just energizes what would be a very simple card game into just stellar 
stellar ranking. This game is funny, it is quick, it is lean, and it is enormously fun to play. <laughs> and frankly, I uh, it passes the test of losing because I definitely probably lose more games than I win of it by a fair margin. Uh, my fiancé is quite good. But it's just a great game, and it is uh, the perfect just like short little experience. Usually it only takes two or three rounds for someone to win and get enough points, 21, to win the game. And it's probably one of my most played games just because of how good it is, how quick it is to get out, how easy it is to set up, and how much fun I have playing it. Anyway, so that is my number three game of all time. A great game, I think, that just everybody should own if you're into board games or card games. A game that I'd recommend to family members, and I currently don't even have my copy, and I miss it because I lent it to my mom and dad because they play part card games, and this is a great one for them to enjoy, and for honestly anybody to enjoy. So that is my number three, Fox in the Forest. My number two game is the one that I'm playing the most right now, and the game that I'm just having a ball with, and that is Quacks of Quedlinburg. And that is a bag-building, push-your-luck type game. In the Quacks of Quedlinburg, which I understand is quite a mouthful, but trust me, once you play it, you will take the time to remember it is that good. In the Quacks of Quedlinburg, you are summoned to the town of Quedlinburg to compete in its annual potion-brewing contest, and you are medieval alchemists, soothsayers, herbalists, and tinkerers, or what they call them, quacks. And you're going to take your turn drawing ingredients from your bag and adding it into your potion. And this is where the, probably I'd say the main mechanic of the game is, is that your ingredients are often very good. And every turn you'll have the opportunity, like a deck builder, to add little chips into your bag, hence the term bag building. But the main and very spicy component of this is that there are some chips in your bag that are not good. They will cause, and if you get a cert over a certain threshold of them into your potion, your potion explodes, causing you to be negatively impacted in what you can score this turn or what you can add to your bag. And let me tell you, the drawing chips from your bag is very addictive, and it is very, very enjoyable to add new things and try new components. It has all of the great parts of a deck builder to me, but largely it's just combined with this very, very enticing component of not wanting to stop picking ingredients from your bag. And I have heard the critique of this game in that there are not a lot of choices in it, and I heartily, heartily disagree with that assessment. That's true, there's probably not a huge quantity of decisions to be made round to round in this, but the quality of said decisions is very, very enticing and enjoyable. The entire game is, when do you want to stop gambling? Have you won enough? Have you won enough? Do you want to stop now? And I honestly can't convey how enjoyable that is. I love showing this to people because once once they have the rules, once I've done the explanation, I've told them how everything works, watching them play their first couple turns and then seeing them start to sweat as they just want to keep drawing and keep winning because that that's how you can... Uh, that's how you win the game, is drawing better things and keep going and keep drawing from your bag. But each time you do, each time you reach into your bag and scoop up one of these little cardboard tokens, some of those are very bad. So the game basically exists in three states. It's either, oh no, as you've just drawn something terrible, or yeah, as you've drawn something awesome, or it's you just... Maybe I'll just draw again. Maybe I'll just draw one more time. One more time. And you can see people sitting around the table counting in their heads as they try to, you know, use their fingers to count how many chips are in their bags. Because one of the rules is that you can never look into your bag. So it 
after the first couple rounds, you kind of have a, you know, a decent idea of what's in there. But once you get to the later rounds, you have no idea what's in there. And you can have some great stuff that just never appears, or you can have stuff that appears all the time. It's very much luck-based, so I understand where strategic players would be frustrated with it, but I tremendously enjoy showing this to people. I enjoy sharing it with board game friends, with friends who have nothing to do with board games, showing it to family members. It is a tremendous game and a great experience, and I heartily recommend it to everybody. And that is my second favorite game, uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg. And I'll say it again because that is kind of a mouthful, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Which brings me to my favorite game. And I don't know, at this point, Quacks is really getting up here, so this is definitely my favorite list of right now. And this game is Champions of Midgard. Champions of Midgard is a medium weight dice rolling worker placement game where in the first half of the round you choose where to kind of send your little viking serfs to get the spots for fights, to get more resources, to try to recruit more warriors, which are dice that you roll later, or to get various other benefits and you're competing with the other players around the table for who wants what, and even, even one of the spaces is the first player token, which how great is that in that who gets to go first is determined as a mechanic of like the worker placement game. So that's always like a hotly, hotly competed for space. But the second part of the game is if you have gotten the spots to get those fights, you've basically sent your little worker to go stand in front of a monster and be like, don't worry, my, my friends are coming soon. My big brother's gonna come here and beat you up. Well, those big brothers are your warriors and those are dice. So each monster has like a certain amount that they will just kill in dice as well as a certain amount of health. And you have to get that many hits off of these dice which adds a tremendous amount of fun as people might send what you think is like a huge amount of Vikings to go slay this beast and they actually all, you know, they get tired and all take a nap or all whiff their big axe swings and just get whomped by a tiny little monster. Or you have the one heroic die who will sacrifice their life but they're taking down that giant when they go. I find this dice rolling battle mechanic is I mean, I understand it's also another game with luck, so you can tell I certainly don't mind luck games, but to me, it's just such an injection of fun and a nice thematicness as, yeah, battles can just go either way. And it leads to just like these high, high moments where you have people who just managed to squeak off and uh, defeat these monsters and earn the fame and glory for their clan, which is ultimately the point of Champions of Midgard as you're competing to be the new Jarl. And to me, I understand where people might think I'm crazy for calling this my favorite game, but to me, this game is the perfect conflux of an approachable enough theme that I can get people excited about it, even if they're not hugely into board games, while also being meaty and having enough richness to it that I can entice people who do like board games to get into it. I find it's a really like satisfying weight where it's not too brain burnery. You never really suffer from too much AP. No one hesitates for longer than maybe a minute on where to what to do with their turns and what to do, while also having enough, you know... <laughs> enough uh, Viking meat on the bone here to really give you like a satisfying and kind of longer experience. I find with my plays, it's way easier to get people into lighter experiences. So to me, when I can finally dig in and kind of settle into something a little more heavy, I really enjoy it. I definitely enjoy the balance between the economic puzzle of where to send your little Viking surfs and when it is time to fight and when it's not and the dice rolling mechanics of it. I really enjoy this game and to me it's my 
It's my favorite. And honestly, who doesn't love Vikings? Who doesn't love that theme? I understand that maybe, you know, people have played lots of Viking games, but I really enjoy the just, you know, thrilling fantasy epic adventureness of it. And yeah, I've played Champions of Midgard now. I have both the expansions. The uh, Valhalla expansion is excellent and kind of entices you to just throw your Vikings into a meat grinder as you're rewarded when they die and you can kind of spend their... I mean, rather sinisterly kind of spend their souls in Valhalla for more benefits and adds kind of a secondary market to that, adding another third element to it. And yes, it definitely suits my kind of evil Viking Walmart turnaround uh, play style to it. Largely, I love just throwing my meaty Vikings into battle with a monster that's too big and be like, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Uh, and that is kind of the basis of that expansion. I have the other one. I have yet to play it. I'm very excited to do so. I can't wait to play with all three and see how that works. But yeah, that is my favorite game, Champions of Midgard. And that is my top five. It'll absolutely change, I'm sure, within, I mean, maybe not the next six months, but certainly within the, next, the following years as I play more things and experience more things. And I hope it was illustrative of my tastes and what I enjoy in board games. And hopefully it lets you know a little bit more about me and what this podcast is going to kind of steer towards. So yeah, that will be my intro for everyone who's on this podcast. Uh, and that is my current top five. And that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it to the end of this first one, if you're coming back after hearing a more recent one, hello to you future people. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, please listen to more. Reach out to me however you can. I'll have a Meeple in a GameStack Twitter, Facebook, Discord, uh, Meeple in a GameStack at gmail.com. Send me an email, talk to me, and feel free to reach out to me. I just want to get more involved in this hobby and maybe create a bit of a community around this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and hopefully I'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye.